It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. In fact, tomorrow... I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to go, I'll say it. We need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! So I'm going to put it out there. I'm probably going to go to jail tomorrow. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. All right, Sandy Rios with you. I wanted you to hear that. I know that you don't quite understand what that was, but you will in a second. That was the sound of a person who we, up until recently, didn't know who it was. His name is Ray Epps. Uh, He was yelling uh, on January 5th to people who'd come to Washington to support President Trump and uh, the, uh, the presenting of the electoral votes in the Capitol uh, to come to President Trump's rally, it was the night before, and you see Ray Epps, you hear his very loud voice saying, we're going to have to go into the Capitol. We're going to have to go into the Capitol. I might be arrested, but you have to go into the Capitol. Then you hear, did you hear that? No, no, people are responding. And then some of them were saying, fed, 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 fed. Well, that's part of it. And then Ray Epps is seen in all kinds of moments During the January 6th, he's seen uh, at the rally where President Trump is speaking, telling people we have to go to the Capitol, go to the Capitol. Then he's seen at the Capitol, at the first breach, when they take those gates down that lead to the Capitol, you hear, you'll see him in the video leaning over and whispering to someone who has a Make America Great hat on, a younger guy. And uh, then they, uh, the younger guy, along with his compatriots, push the barricade open. Why is that important? Well, I, I think, uh, Thomas Massey, the congressman from Kentucky, was grilling Attorney General Merrick Garland earlier this week. We played this, but I want you to hear it now, uh, having this in context. That was Ray Epps. Thomas Massey is asking Attorney General, uh, the Attorney General, what, what about this guy? He's showing in the clip and asking him, I want you to listen again to the response. Let's listen. Were agents of the government or assets of the government present on January 5th and January 6th uh, during the protests? And uh, I've got some pictures that I want to show you if the uh, my staff could bring those to you. 
I'm afraid I can't see that at all. You have you have those images there, and they're captioned. Uh, they were from January 5th and January 6th. As far as we can determine, the individual who was saying he'll probably go to jail, he'll probably be arrested, but he wants every, but they need to go into the Capitol the next day, is then the next day directing people to the Capitol. And as far as we can find, this individual has not been charged with anything. You said this is one of the most sweeping investigations in the history. Uh, have you seen that video or those frames from that video? So as I um, uh, said at the outset, uh, one of the norms of the Justice Department is to not comment on impending investigations and particularly not to comment about uh, particular scenes or particular individuals. This okay, is without, I, I was hoping today to give you an opportunity to put to rest the concerns that people have that there were federal agents or assets of the federal government present on January 5th and January 6th. Can you tell us, without talking about particular incidents or particular videos, how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 6th, whether they agitated to go into the Capitol and if any of them did? So I'm not going to violate this norm of, uh, of, of uh, the rule of law. I'm not going to comment on an investigation that's ongoing. Yeah, I've not got to comment on is it. Yeah, but see, it sounds to me like that the guys standing around Ray Epps on January the 5th already knew that feds were infiltrating. That's why they're shouting, Fed, 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 Fed. Well, now we don't really know, at least we didn't then, know who Ray Epps was. But Revolver has done a deep dive uh, investigation on him. I'm going to tell you just a little bit about it. It's an 85-page article. It just came out this morning, so... I haven't had a chance to read it all, but I'll tell you what I do know. But I, um, okay, so I'll do, I'll go ahead and do that. It looks like um, he was regarded by the, by the FBI as the number one suspect, like the instigator, the chief instigator of what happened on January 6th. In fact, they issued kind of a plea for various people. Somebody issued a plea to find out who this person was. So Antifa and other groups like that did a deep dive and found him quickly. So they've known for quite a long time. But the irony is, of all the people arrested for January the 6th, for not even going to the Capitol, but just being there on that day, uh, Ray Epps has never been arrested. He's never been investigated. He just was there encouraging people, yay, you know, urging them, uh, bossing them to go into the Capitol. You have to go in. We have to go in. Uh, all repeatedly, all over the place, the 5th and the 6th, but he has not been arrested. Very interesting. Turns out he is a former Marine. Uh, he was a Marine sergeant. Uh, we know that he lives in Arizona. Uh, they know a lot of things about him that they said they wouldn't report because they were private information and they were trying to be respectful. This is Revolver News. 
but he's never been arrested or charged. Nearly 10 minutes after, 10 minutes, 10 months after January 6th, the FBI and Justice Department still refuse to comment on whether Epps has ever been served a search warrant. And so, uh, and again, it goes back, uh, the revolver goes back and traces pictures of him uh, and a kind of a plea that for the FBI that people to tell them who who he is, and now he, now they know who he is, and they're doing nothing about it. So the problem is there's a pattern here, and I want to tell you what that pattern is. I told you, uh, I think last week, that the Oath Keepers were supposed to be, you know, this big bad group uh, that uh, was supposed to have gone into the Capitol like the leaders of the pack and. Uh, the FBI's made much um, of of them, villainized them. My understanding of the Oath Keepers, just as an aside, I think a lot of people that I know are probably part of Oath Keepers. They are former law enforcement, former military, and they, the oath they keep is to protect and defend uh, the Constitution and to defend the country. That's the terrible, no good, horrible oath that they are trying to keep. Uh, and I think they're probably mostly stand-up guys. I don't know. I'm not saying everybody in there and everything they've ever done, because I don't know what that might be. But from my perspective, they are not you know, sub- subversive groups trying to overthrow the government. But so I just want to make a point. We know that in Michigan, uh, with the governor of Michigan, there was a so supposedly a plot to kidnap her and to kill her. Now I'm laughing, only laughing, because we know now that there were FBI informants Planted in that, there were more FBI agents involved than actually people that they managed to pull. And the FBI uh, offered the plan. It was agents who offered the money, who arranged the meetings. It was just ridiculous. They actually orchestrated this so-called plot. And the FBI agent in uh, Michigan, who was assigned to oversee that, well, he did, I guess, such a good job that uh, the FBI uh, director, Christopher Ray assigned him to the D.C. field office to do the same in D.C., and he was in place on January 6th when this incident occurred. And now we're learning that, well, gee, there look to be many FBI informants and cooperative persons in that group who actually might have been instigating, hoping for, uh, setting the stage for, encouraging uh, some kind of a, a riot on January the 6th. And I'll make the point by just telling you this much. Uh, the supposed leader of Oath Keepers is Stuart Rhodes. And the investigation into Oath Keepers hinges on statements that Stuart Rhodes, Rhodes made. A lot of statements. I don't have time to read all of those. Uh, but um, the problem is, through going after Rhodes' statements, they went after, well, there are several people they went after, but one of them will be familiar to you because he, was, uh, he has been arrested, Thomas Caldwell. Uh, they've treated him abominably. And uh, Thomas Caldwell was not even part, he wasn't even part of the small group that Stuart Rhodes was forming to make all of these so-called plans for Oath Keepers to go into the Capitol and do, their, do something horrible. It was actually Stuart Rhodes' words that the FBI is using. But Stuart Rhodes, guess where he is? Well, he's like free. He's never been arrested. And uh, many people believe, and I think there's good reason to believe, that Stuart Rhodes was also cooperating with the FBI, stirring people up. That's the allegation. That's the inference. And that's what it looks like to me as I read this stuff. It's what it actually looks like to me. So it's not the first time all of these people are being punished, all these Oath Keepers. Uh, held in, um, you know, in the jail in D.C., blamed uh, for things that Stuart Rhodes actually said. And Stuart Rhodes is, well, he's a free man. He's never been arrested. 
So you you tell me what that means. You tell me. And now I want to tell you something else. Uh, there was a pastor, I don't know where he's from, but he didn't get the same treatment. He was there on January the 6th, but he wasn't in the Capitol. But suddenly, well, just suddenly, he was uh, in Florida on a vacation or on some sort of a trip. Maybe it was a fish, an official trip. When suddenly the Bank of America shut down his account, they stopped his credit cards. Uh, they were not a notif- He was not notified that their account was suspended. They were told that the bank uh, would release the church's funds in about a week. They would do that. Um, the crime of the pastor was that he was in Washington, D.C. for that rally. Not the Capitol, but he was just there. And the Bank of America, you know, was doing their part, you know, to, to stop and punish him. This is how ridiculous is not a nice enough word. It's too nice a word. This is how insidious uh, what's happening to people in this country has become. And I want to just say a word about Bank of America. We actually need to do a whole story on them. Uh, But their CEO turns out to be an an absolute nightmare of wokeness. And uh, he's talking, he's encouraging big companies to to use their whole business system uh, to uh, to enforce the the new way things should go, that woke way things should go. He's become a leader in that. He's won awards for that. And so Bank of America is happily uh, punishing people that are not worthy of using their their cooperating with the government and releasing names of people. That's how bad it is. So um, then one last thing in this uh, few minutes that we have. The January 6th Stop the Steel rally, uh, the Rolling Stone just came out with this article uh, claiming that all these congressmen got together and coordinated with the people that organized that uh, rally and that they, you know, they planned and plotted this. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and others are just, they're saying, this is this is a pathetic piece of trash. It's like the Russian collusion narrative. There's just no truth to it. Uh, but the Rolling Stone is doing their part, too. And just one last word before we take this break. Someone pointed out to me this week that it looks to me that uh, Alec Baldwin has now killed more people than anyone who got there on January the 6th. I just thought I would mention that little bit of dark humor. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, what happened with Andrew McCabe this last week or so, uh, how he's been dis- how he's been uh, reassigned his privileges as an FBI agent. He's not part of the part of the bureau anymore, but he gets his back pay and he feels vindicated. What's that all about? Well, I have a famous agent named uh, Bruce, my husband, who's going to join me next, so stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Andy McCabe says there's a simple reason why he sued the government he served for 21 years. I didn't file it to get rich. I didn't file it to take down the Justice Department. I filed it to recover the benefits that had been unfairly and improperly taken from me and my family. And I filed it to try to restore my reputation. The Justice Department fired McCabe from his job at the FBI in 2018, only hours before his law enforcement pension would have vested. Justice leaders cited what they called his lack of candor about a media leak investigation. Former President Trump tweeted it was a good day for the men and women at the Bureau. But McCabe argued he was let go because of undue political pressure and without being given due process. 
Now, three years later, the Biden Justice Department has agreed to reverse the dismissal, restore McCabe's pension and health care, and pay some attorney's fees. It feels like complete vindication because that's what it is. I asked what the settlement means to him. I think the message that you get loud and clear from the terms of the settlement is that this should never have happened. Settlement talks intensified last summer after a judge gave McCabe the green light for documents and testimony from current and former justice officials involved in his firing. The country's civil servants are still recovering from drama during the Trump administration, when the president fired FBI Director Jim Comey and eventually pushed out the deputy director, McCabe. Trump lambasted McCabe because his wife ran for the state Senate in Virginia and accepted a contribution from then-Governor Terry McAuliffe, an ally of the Clintons. Now that Trump is out of office and McCabe has settled with new leaders at the Justice Department, McCabe says he's hopeful that signals a return to normalcy. I'm hoping that men and women in the FBI and more broadly people in the civil service see this as a restoration of what we all believe in from the beginning, that people should be treated fairly, but they should be treated properly under the law and according to the processes that protect us all. McCabe says the last few years have been hard, especially for his parents and his kids. He's been teaching national security law and working as a TV analyst for CNN. McCabe says he's not sure what the future holds, but he's glad he stood up for himself against the DOJ and the White House. Carrie Johnson, NPR News, Washington. All right, Sadie Rios, the world according to NPR. Let's see, what did he just say? This should never have happened. And he says it's a restoration of all we believe in from the beginning, that people should have been treated fairly and properly. I'm wondering if we had him right here, I'd like to ask him if he means, if he thinks that should have applied to Lieutenant General Flynn, who he set up, or President Donald Trump, who he went after with a vengeance and really did I play a huge part in bringing him down. All right, so those are just my thoughts. That's Andrew McCabe on Andrew McCabe. He feels justified. Well, I've asked my husband, Bruce, to join me this morning because um, he is a former FBI director. He's a director (laughs) employee. He was a special agent with the FBI. He worked as an attorney. He worked uh, street gains. He worked bank robberies. He worked polygraph. And he worked in the Washington, D.C. Office of Professional OPR. Responsibility. Responsibility. Uh, That was his last tour of duty at the FBI, and so that's going to intersect this story. And I've asked him to join me this morning for that reason. He is an expert and um, uh, on his beloved bureau, (laughs) former bureau. And so, Bruce, first of all, Andrew McCabe now has had all of his retirement benefits restored, his back pay. He's gotten his, like, medals uh, his, um, it's as though it never happened. He's not reinstated in the FBI, but it's as though he's never happened, and it never happened. He feels justified. Your response to that? Could anyone be more sanctimonious and disingenuous than what Andrew McCabe was on that tape? He has single-handedly, uh, well, I shouldn't say single-handedly, but with the help of some of his cohorts, tarnished the reputation of an agency that previously was held in such high regard. And uh, we have seen proof of what he did wrong. If you notice in his sanctimonious statement there, there is no uh, reference that um, there was any finding that he had not lied to the government. There was no finding that he had not committed the the um, violations that he was accused of. All he said is, 
I have a settlement that shows I did nothing wrong. Well, guess who he was negotiating that settlement with? The same people that he had previously aided in going after Donald Trump was kind of a stacked deck in his favor. Yeah, so to be clear, it was the Justice Department that settled this. It was not your former office, the Office of Public Responsibility and the FBI. They never, they're the ones who found him guilty, and we'll talk about the details of that in a second. And it was not the Inspector General, and we'll talk about that in a second. It was the Justice Department led by Merrick Garland and all of his minions who are doing all the horrible things they're doing under President uh, Biden. So it was the Justice Department. That's correct. And uh, there was no judicial finding that uh, Andy McCabe had done nothing wrong. All this was is McCabe filed his lawsuit saying he was wrongly fired, and and he reached a settlement. And again, it's with the same people that, that he was colluding with against Donald Trump. Bruce, there's so much information now. I don't need to tell you, and you see, look around in the office here. Look at the pi- every piece of paper you see piled up there is a news story, and they're all important. It's hard to retain this. It's hard for us to retain it. It's hard for people listening to retain it. So let's kind of set the stage uh, for who Andrew McCabe was, how he got to this position, and what it was that he did to bring him to this point. A- Andrew McCabe was a high riser. Uh, we, uh, he had quite a career. He was uh, the, he eventually became the acting director of the FBI. And what uh, sparked all of this is when he was the deputy director, in other words, the number two man under Jim Comey, at the FBI, uh, Hillary Clinton's emails had allegedly been hacked by the Russians. That was the story we were told. And guess who was leading the investigation into that email hack? Andrew McCabe. Now, I told Sandy as soon as this happened that there's something stinky here because people in those positions do not lead investigations. They direct the people that lead the investigations. So something was fishy right away. And... um, what this all boiled down to was um, there started to be questions raised about how could Andrew McKay be leading this very sensitive investigation if he has ties to people that are indebted to the Clintons. And what happened is um, McCabe's wife, Jill, was running for the state Senate in Virginia in 2016 when President Trump was running against Hillary Clinton. And Terry McAuliffe was the governor of Virginia. If you recall, Terry McAuliffe was the uh, director of Bill Clinton's 96 re-election campaign. He was the head of the DNC at one point. He had run Hillary Clinton's election campaign in 2008 when she ran for president. So he has all these ties to the Clintons. And guess who he gives money to? Jill McCabe. Terry McAuliffe gives Terry money McAuliffe to gives Jill McCabe. money to Gil McCabe. Jill McCabe to run her campaign for Senate. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Andrew is running the investigation, supposedly looking into whether Hillary Clinton had done anything wrong with the Clinton Foundation, because these emails that came out were really uh, indicting of the Clinton Foundation that they were doing money laundering, that they were making deals with people from overseas. So that's the backdrop of Andrew McCabe and his supposed. Um, even-handedness that he was showing at the FBI. Okay, okay, so then he's asked about this. That's that's the part. This the the lack of candor thing. That's a word that we're not used to hearing, but it's a very familiar word for for the FBI. Explain that. Lack of candor is a, is a is a synonym for lying. And what happens is if someone is um, accused of doing wrongdoing in the FBI, they are interviewed, 
And when they are interviewed, they are placed under oath. And if you lie in that interview about anything material, anything, you are dismissed from the organization. You used to tell me that if, you, if your partner did something and you saw it or you knew about it and you were asked about it, if you, you know, uh, tried to cover for your partner, you would be fired. That's correct. That's um, how strict it was. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter if you're trying to do it for, quote, unquote, the right reasons. If you lie, you've lied and you are fired. It, 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 there's no exception if you're under oath. Sometimes you're interviewed not under oath. There is some leeway there. But if you are interviewed under oath and you lie, you are fired. Okay. So Andrew McCabe is, there's like three different instances, as I understand it, Bruce, in this charge, three different occasions where he lied. And, and you're talking now about his fellow FBI agents. He's suspected of, of this. Uh, oh, you know, we didn't talk about the leak. Yeah. Yeah, so, so we have to talk about that first. So the problem becomes um, uh, McCabe starts to feel a little heat that the, there's rumors in Washington that he is not impartial while he's leading this investigation of the Clinton email and the Clinton Foundation. So uh, the inspector general starts an investigation, and he interviews McCabe and asks him, Did you, are you the one that leaked this information to a Wall Street Journal reporter who came out with a story saying that there is no conflict of interest of Andrew McCabe in this investigation. And he, he denied it. He, he said, I did not authorize the, uh, the leak of that information. Well, once the inspector general, and he, and he did that under oath, once the inspector general started his investigation and uncovered uh, McCabe's emails, right there in, in text messages were authorization from McCabe to his subordinates to leak this information to the Wall Street Journal reporter. That said that he was not guilty, that, there was no conflict of interest. said there was no conflict <laughs> of interest and that there was no problem with his wife receiving this money from McCall. And it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yes, it wasn't it was like $50. And, and also he denied that he had uh, participated in any kind of campaigning for Jill Biden or Jill McCabe, which under our uh, the Hatch Act, we as federal employees could not participate in electioneering. So you, yeah, and we should make that clear. You were able to vote and you could have opinions, but you were not, you were not allowed to be involved in elections. You had to be neutral because you're a law enforcement officer um, enforcing the law to all kinds of people, and so you didn't, you didn't take public sides. Exactly. Uh, we're charged with investigating political corruption, so you have to be very careful because you might end up investigating the person that gets elected who, you know, if, if you were allowed to, you would have done all kinds of electioneering for. It creates a conflict of interest. It, if, according to Judicial Watch, some stuff has just been leaked. It's actually Andrew McCabe's words where he is confronted by uh, Deputy Attorney General at the time, Rosenstein, about that very thing. And Rosenstein says, that uh, looks to listen, people don't trust you because uh, the word is that you uh, have uh, breached that You've appeared for your wife. You've campaigned for her. You've taken money from Terry McAuliffe. And uh, he says, and, and then Rosen, he says, no, I didn't do that. But then Rosenstein says to him, look, we have someone on staff who has a picture of you and a T-shirt of campaigning for your wife. And so that, that's the level of disingenuousness and lack of candor we're talking about. Yes. I, I mean, the lies told by Andrew McCabe were not just to the people who were conducting the investigations. Obviously, he 
It looks like he lied to Jim Comey. It looks like he lied to the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Um, and he and, lied to F- his FBI agents who and, had to investigate it. Yeah, and then later he lied Under to oath. what we call the Inspection Division, which is a, an, the investigating arm of the Office of Professional Responsibility. And that, OPR is just a fancy word for internal affairs. In a police department, it would be called internal affairs. And we investigate our own people if, if there's a, an, an allegation of, of misdeed. And uh, so he lied to people, uh, his superiors— who would be Comey and Rosenstein, uh, but then he also lied under oath to the inspection division. Yeah, so the point is, none of that, that is absolutely a fact. He lied. He lied under oath more than mm-hmm. once, and so none of that has changed. And again, to come back and reiterate, the reason he's free and the reason he's been able to draw his pension is because the Justice Department, uh, our, our out-of-control, lawless Justice Department has determined it so. It isn't because the Inspector General changed his mind. It's not because the FBI changed their mind. In fact, they've kept it in their records that he ha- he did lie under oath. He was you know, found guilty of lack of candor. Yeah, it's astounding when M- McCabe uses the word complete vindication yeah. and return to normalcy. Uh, complete vindication would mean that they, the uh, settlement said, you did nothing wrong and uh, everything we said about you was incorrect. There was none of that in the settlement. Also, when he says return to normalcy at the DOJ, what does that mean? Like, I guess where anyone can do anything and lie about it and get away with it and keep their pension. Because that's, I think, the general perception of the public is once you have a federal job, you are golden. You cannot be fired. And boy, if this doesn't reinforce that feeling, I don't know what does. You know, and I think to Bruce, you could say... What he did was wrong. This is one act of lying. It actually sounds pretty small in the scope of things. And it reminds me of, like you as a, a prosecutor, you would you would only go after that one charge that you knew could hold. This does not mean this is all that McCabe did. And I think we, what I'd like to do, just for a second, before we take this break, is talk about the larger the larger picture here. He, again, to repeat, was charged with overseeing uh, the investigation in Mrs. Clinton's email. Mrs. Clinton's email was put on an unsecure server, which is a whole other breach of trust that she did, completely lawless uh, in terms of her role as the uh, Secretary of State. Very dangerous. We know that a foreign power actually had access to all of her email. Uh, and he was the one charged with investigating her, and nothing ever came of that. Meanwhile, he's taking money for Mrs. Clinton's fundraiser, Terry McAuliffe, for his wife. So that that's how bad this is, and that's really the larger picture, I think, than him lying about that. Uh, we have to take a, a break, uh, but when we come back, let's talk about some of the other things that McCabe did, uh, just to put this in perspective, Bruce. And um, we'll do that when we return, because there's a lot to say about it, and I don't want... Man, with all the the news coming out, I don't want us to be confused about how bad it is that Andrew McCabe has been reinstated with his pension and all of that, what that means. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. This is a sensitive topic, I know, but I think it's one that's important for us to talk about today as we have the 
the leadership of the IG community before us. That's about the investigation of former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe. Mr. McCabe, as you know, was fired for lacking candor under oath in 2018, shortly before his retirement. Late last week, DOJ reversed course, settling a lawsuit by Mr. McCabe to restore his employment as a voluntary separation and uh, to restore his pension. Mr. Horwitz, could you briefly remind us of the findings of your report regarding Mr. McCabe? Uh, Certainly, Senator. Um, uh, The report concerned an investigation that actually the FBI had initially undertaken involving alleged leaks um, about information that was potentially damaging to Secretary Clinton during the 2016 presidential campaign. The FBI internal investigators developed information that they believed uh, led them to believe that Deputy Director McCabe may have lied to them. They then referred the matter to us, given the position he held at the FBI. We assumed the investigation and concluded in a public report that remains on our website and the public can see that Mr. McCabe lied both under oath and not under oath on several occasions when he denied um, at various points certain key facts and information, including who was the source of the leak. All right, so that was uh, Rob Portman, the senator from Ohio, interviewing the Inspector General Michael Horowitz, and he's basically saying, no, we don't, we don't walk back our findings. No, nothing has changed. And I want to just read a statement from Judicial Watch after this happened. Uh, they made this statement. Attorney General Jeff Sessions was wholly justified in firing former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe. The IG report released today portrays McCabe <clears throat> as a serial liar. My husband, uh, Bruce, is with me. He's a former FBI agent. And um, any thoughts about what you just heard Michael Horwitz say, honey? Uh, well, uh, McCabe, as far as I'm concerned, was treated as well or even better than any other employee would have been treated uh, at the FBI, at least when I was there. Uh, and I was working in prof- uh, Office of Professional Responsibility. I adjudicated uh, cases when they came to us as to whether or not somebody should be fired or disciplined. And I can tell you, in my experience, anyone who uh, had done what Andrew McCabe did would have been fired without question. So I, I and um, also, what's very important is that none of the allegations were walked back by the inspector general in his statement. And there has been nothing that has come out that says Andrew McCabe did not do what he was accused of. In other words, there's been no, no rebuttal to the accusations against him. You know, Bruce, when I was thinking back on Andrew McCabe's other things, this is not the only thing he did. The one big story that, uh, that is in, in my mind, is what he did to Lieutenant General Flynn. And you will recall that General Flynn was <clears throat> had just was moving into his office in the White House. He was going to be the um, the national security advisor for Pre- President Trump, <clears throat> and so and he already had developed a relationship with McCabe and some of the agents, friendly, you know, cordial. They emailed back and forth, and they basically McCabe uh, with Comey's approval sent agents over to interview uh, General, uh, General Flynn. Do you want to talk about that? Do you, you yeah, want to I, tell that story a little bit? And I think you need to set up the context of this. You, now you have to remember when McCabe and Comey and people were conspiring against uh, 
President Trump being elected and when they were, you know, basically turning a blind eye. And they did that by turning a blind eye to the things they were finding in the Clinton investigation, all the all the payoffs, all the graft, things like that. They sat on that uh, until the election was over. So now, unexpectedly and out of the blue, Donald Trump wins the election. And these guys, you can imagine them sitting in their offices going, are you kidding me? Do you know how much paperwork and evidence there is that we covered up for the Clintons uh, with the wrongdoing in the foundation? Now Donald Trump's people are going to come in and head the Department of Justice and the FBI, and oh my gosh, they're going to find all this stuff. And we are all going to, all our gooses are going to be cooked. So now they have to go into hyperdrive to discredit Donald Trump and to convince him that the Department of Justice has um, incriminating evidence against Trump that, uh, that uh, could show he isn't qualified to be president and maybe call for his removal. So that's the backdrop upon which we're working here. Yes, and I also would add that Lieutenant General Flynn uh, was part of the national security team, the only one that I know of that uh, objected to what President Obama had done, who was an open opponent, respectful, but saying the policies are wrong. And he knew all about what the DIA was up to. He knew a lot. He knew where the bodies were buried. And so that was this was part of the group trying to get rid of him. And, and what really um, fortifies that is when Obama was leaving office, Trump had a conversation with him about who should I keep, who should I get rid of, and the only per- to my understanding the only person that obama objected to him keeping was general flynn because he knew general flynn was a straight up guy mm-hmm. and as when he was the um, director of the uh, the dia that's the defense intelligence agency he fought obama on a lot of things obama on uh, benghazi i believe mm-hmm. on, on various yeah. things and obama didn't you know obama knew if Flynn started heading um, the defense agency, he would find all of this evidence yeah. about uh, what they had done. Yeah. So they send these two uh, agents in, and they are asking General Flynn about conversations he had with the Russian ambassador. And uh, this is a long story, and I can't tell all of it. Let me just say that General Flynn was not prepared. He didn't have an attorney. He had no idea that they were trying to set him up. He thought they were just having a conversation, and he couldn't remember exactly what he said. He, By the way, could I just jump to say he did absolutely nothing wrong. His role as national security advisor was to talk. Uh, even before President Trump was elected, they were or in the interim, after he'd been elected, it was his job to reach out to leaders of various foreign powers so they could develop a relationship. There was nothing wrong with that. And we also know now that in that conversation in which they accused him of lying, he didn't lie. He did not lie. Even the well, agents themselves said he didn't lie. Well, let's remember that one of the people that went over there was Peter, Peter Strzok. Strzok. Now, yeah. If you want to talk about somebody with a uh, history of lying, look back at Peter Strzok's testimony in front of Congress. Um, and that's the um, document that was relied upon to indict or to uh, remove General Flynn was a report that was prepared in part by Peter Strzok and approved by Andrew McCabe. And they knew that, uh, well, first off, even struck going over there to take that statement is very suspicious because yes. he had a high position. We don't send managers 
to take to to do interviews. We send agents. And again, as soon as I saw that, I said to Sandy, something's not right here. Why are they sending this high-powered official over there? Mm -hmm. This was a a chance to try and trap Flynn, put pressure on Trump, uh, get somebody out that they knew uh, was going to uncover all the wrongdoing that was done regarding the Hillary Clinton email investigation. So in the process of this, they nearly destroyed General Flynn's life, his personal life, his finances, his family. And uh, Peter and uh, Andrew McCabe had a front row seat to doing that. There were so many things that he did uh, that I think we'll we'll never even know. There are ways that he remember the female agent that came out and reported she tried to be a whistleblower in the FBI about how she had been treated by him. I can't yeah. even. I heard her give her a briefing, and I can't think of her name. Yeah, this was when McCabe was a, a supervisor in the Washington field office, uh, and she worked for McCabe and. She disagreed with something. There, it was it was regarding something I believe in Afghanistan or it was overseas. They, uh, the way they were handling something, and she went to McCabe and said, I, I, "Something wrong is going on here," and he rebuked her and said, "You keep your mouth shut. Uh, nothing's going wrong, and uh, quit criticizing the way I'm doing things." And she, I believe, threatened to go public. He started an investigation against her for time and attendance. Now, if that's all you can, you know, nothing against uh, she was wrong in what she was saying or her allegations were or behavior false. or anything she like done. That. All it was is, oh, when you said you were at work, you really weren't at work. Yeah. I mean, we don't so even. That's how petty he was. Yeah, that's how petty yeah. he was. So I want to get in one other thing because this really, this is a McCabe memo that just came out. This is dated, uh, I don't know what it's dated, but we know now that Rod Rosenstein and McCabe and others, uh, colluded to have, it was Rosenstein's idea, for Rosenstein to wear a wire, a wire, in yes. to talk to the President of the United States. Uh, and th- they were trying to entrap him. Now, they didn't end up, end up doing that, but McCabe was right there with that conversation. And, you know, Rosenstein's another person that has just absolutely yeah. gotten off scot-free. Right. Uh, I, I mean, you think about... These people opened an investigation against the President of the United States based on a dossier that was paid for and produced by the Democratic Party. And they, everybody at the FBI knew it, and they went ahead anyway. And uh, that's the backdrop upon which now Rosenstein, the, the Attorney General, he's the, the acting or the Deputy Attorney General at the time, the law enforcement head of the country is going to wear a, a covert wire, in other words, a recording device on his body into talking with, when he's going to talk with President Trump. And you know darn well, Rosenstein is going to use leading statements and things to try to get Trump to say something that they can take out of context and make it look like he's a uh, a loose cannon or that he's colluding with the Russians. And we all know that President Trump was not a careful talker, especially, you can imagine, in a private meeting. Now, it's it's probably very conceivable that if Rosenstein um, crafts his statements uh, a certain way, Trump might say something that if you take it out of the context and you just see it in writing, people would go, yeah, he's in collusion with the Russians. Because you know how the president j- joked that one day in his speech about, hey, you Russians, if you're out there listening, 
Yep. If you if you can find Hillary Clinton's emails, <laughs> right. you know, bring it's them. It's a joke. Bring, yes, it's a joke, yeah. and that was made into yeah. like it was a, a a statement that he was telling the Russians to hack the email. I mean, that's that's what they were doing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I just want to say the other thing that's in that McCabe memo that's just really struck me, uh, Bruce, is that Rosenstein offered to wear the wire. He also said in that meeting uh, they discussed whether they should appoint a special counsel. And uh, Rosenstein said, I have someone in mind, and he's already talked to me about it. He's willing to do it. So what happened next? You tell me. Yeah, so guess who that was? That was Robert Mueller. And, uh, you know, Robert Mueller had plenty of um, uh, dislike for President Trump because if you remember, Robert Mueller tried to become the FBI director under Trump once he fired Comey. And um, Trump refused him. He, He didn't hire him. And boy, you can imagine for a guy like Mueller, who had been the director and has had many offices in Washington, D.C., this was a real slap in the face. And of all the people, all the people to be a special counsel. Now, the the point of a special counsel is to be impartial, to be impartial. All of a sudden, who are we going to pick? Oh, Robert Mueller is available. So Rod Rosenstein comes out immediately and announces Robert Mueller. Yes. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing, too. Bruce, as you've pointed out to me, uh, I can't, honestly, now this is speculation. A lot of this, I guess, is. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's in Robert Mueller's mind, but he's just been the FBI director. He's not a young man. No. And he rushes back. He tells the president when Comey is fired that he wants to be the FBI director, and the president says no. His motives for wanting to be the FBI director, what do you think they might have been? Well, gee, let's see. Robert Mueller and Jim Comey were friends for years. And you can believe that Robert Mueller knew that Jim Comey had engaged in this activity to try to undermine President Trump. Yeah. And guess who's going to save him? Here comes Robert Mueller to cover everything up. Yeah. The same way McCabe covered things up. For Clinton. For Clinton. I mean, yeah. it just gets deeper and deeper. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we had this discussion, Bruce. I appreciate you joining me to do that because I wanted people to have context, and I didn't want that to go by without having some deep dive on it. So I think we've taken a a bit of one. So thank you. Uh, Thanks to all of you for listening. And uh, the truth is what we're in the the business of talking about here. It's important. The truth itself, even if Andrew McCabe got off free, uh, I always remember that, you know, we answer to someone besides the society or the laws of our land. There is someone much greater it's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who is the final judge of all men's hearts and deeds, and that includes yours and mine. And so we keep that in mind as we live our lives. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.